Welcome to episode 25 of the Woke Antidote, coming to you mid to late week here. And TB, I, I thought we had a really fun episode last time, our first guest. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure to have uh, Brandon on the show. Uh, he's been such a great friend of, of the show for some time. Uh, we had a guest appearance on his show a couple months ago, so it was great to have him on ours. So hopefully for our listeners, you enjoyed that. Um, you know, we, we want to bring on speakers who talk about different topics or maybe are more of experts on certain topics uh, that on things that we talk about already. So um, this is going to be the first of hopefully many guest appearances. SBA and I are cooking up a bunch of other uh, guests to come on the show uh, very shortly. Uh, we're going to be covering a whole gambit of different uh, type of uh of topics here so really excited for that but uh you know kudos to uh, to brandon at uh, uh green candle investment so uh I'm so pumped that we had you on and uh thanks again for your for for coming on the show yeah that was a blast and um i think our, our listeners really enjoyed getting his takes on not only the economy but plenty of woke stuff but we are going to start today with the economy because tomorrow um and maybe when you're listening to this you've already heard it but the inflation number for the past month comes out, and we're we're looking at an eight point three percent inflation estimate for uh, the past month. So this is you know everybody knows is anyone getting an eight point three percent raise? I mean the the vast majority of people are not. Who knows if it comes in at eight point three percent? Maybe it's actually a lot higher than that. We don't know, but I did find it um, very interesting when earlier in the week. We had some uh, interesting quotes from Putin where he was actually correctly diagnosing the inflation problem in the U.S. And our leaders are, are going the other way and, and blaming everything under the sun except money printing. So Putin was out there saying that the reason that the U.S. has had this inflation problem is that the U.S. money supply grew by 40 percent by six trillion in less than two years. He 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 quote, he said it was an unprecedented output at the printing press. And then a quote from him was that the U.S. assumed inflation would dissipate throughout the world economy. This was not the case. So, TB, this is exactly why inflation is happening. If you if you have an economy and you put 40 percent more money supply into an economy with the same amount of goods, the goods are going to go up in price. And if anything, there were less goods to buy in 2020 and 2021 because everything had to get shut down and the economy wasn't running at full steam that we actually had 40% more money chasing less than 100% of the full economy. So we're sitting here in 2022, and the leaders of the U.S., whether it is the politicians, whether it's the Federal Reserve officials, really whether it's anyone, um, so few people are actually accurately calling out what has caused this inflation. It's incredible that Putin's doing it. And what I also found interesting, and, and TV, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on this, because I'm, I'm kind of lost a little bit. Why are they now admitting in the U.S. that inflation is actually a problem? Now, they're not claiming um, that they caused it and they're not saying why um, it has become a problem. But Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, she's out there saying, I was wrong. Inflation's actually high. You've got the media is, is a little bit more, you know, is a little bit more amenable to admitting that inflation's high. And so my thing is, I think my my explanation at this point is that maybe it's so far out of hand that they sort of have to admit it or otherwise they look even more ridiculous. But I'm um, I'm certainly confused by this and, and I'm, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing 
if that tomorrow is 8.3%, maybe it's a lot more than that. Yeah, my take here is that it's it's not out of the, the goodness of their hearts that they're being honest about this finally. Uh, I think what they're doing is looking at the poll numbers. Uh, when they tried to uh, have that campaign on the Putin price hike, which that's the most cringe shit I've ever heard, if we're being honest. Um, but they they tried to, to, to blame it on Putin. And they could probably tell by the polls that it just the the American people weren't buying that and their poll numbers were continuing to slip. Like Biden's approval rating is horrible right now. He's in the 30. He started his approval in like 60 percent. Now he's in the 30 percent. So, you know, he has lost basically half of his approval in a year and a half. It's it's pretty pathetic. But he they're, they're looking at the poll numbers. And I think they probably think that if they're just open and honest with the people that it's probably going to be better for them than trying to blame it on others. But also, that's I think there's also truth to what you said. It probably is so, so bad that they're, they're trying to get ahead of it. This is kind of like um, almost like a PR type of campaign. They're just trying to get ahead of ahead of the narrative. So that way they can control it. Um, you know, I know we're expected to have updated numbers on inflation coming out by the end of the week likely uh you know we're recording on thursday so likely on the friday on friday it'll come out uh but it's expected to be elevated uh those are the rumors so uh this is all about damage control um you know it's really hard to trust this administration but whenever they're doing something that appears to be transparent and 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 nice uh you have to pause because there's something beneath the surface there no, 100%. And, and that's why I'm just so, you know, questioning the motive here, because they you're exactly right. They are not doing this out of the goodness of their heart. And it's interesting because we've, you know, we have the Fed here printing all this money. And, you know, historically, if you, if you look back at history, they are the ones that they blow the bubbles and then they, they pull the ripcord, they rug pull the economy with liquidity, they pull the liquidity and then the economy bottoms out. And we're kind of getting signs that this might already be happening. So on early Tuesday of this week, um, Target came out. Their stock totally dropped uh, by, I think, 10% when they said profits are going to take a short-term hit. They're marking down unwanted items, canceling orders, and taking aggressive steps to get rid of extra inventory. And so the uh, CNBC article goes on. The retailers slashed their profit margin expectations to account for a wave of goods winding up deeply discounted or on the clearance rack. And this is not uncommon to target. Walmart has has been saying similar things. And then more broadly, if you think about Amazon, they came out a couple weeks ago. There was news that they're actually um, either building less inventory centers or they're actually um, getting rid of some because they just have so many of them. So what I think happened is that in 2020, both because things were shut down, but also because we were literally flooded with money, everybody out there and probably ourselves included went, oh, we're going to buy a bunch of stuff because we've got nothing else to do. Things are shut down. Let me buy some goods. And so I think a lot of the companies, they said, oh, this is kind of a new normal. And they they uh, tried to buy and to, to meet the demand. And now once the Fed's pulled uh, the liquidity, there's no more free money flowing then no one can really buy anything anymore because they don't have the money. Inflation's having a huge impact. And now we have this bizarre situation where we might actually be in stagflation, where we have this incredibly high inflation rate at 8% plus, but it's possible we're actually falling into a recession. Um, we might even be in one right now because the official way to determine whether there's a recession 
is um, two quarters in a row of negative GDP growth. We already had one last quarter. It was totally unexpected. And this quarter is trending that way, too. There, there's an Atlanta Fed forecast that every week they forecast what um, the, the next quarter's GDP growth might be. That was originally 2%, went to 1.3%. The most recent reading this week was 0.9%. And they're historically ones that are actually pretty positive with their expectations. So, I mean, this is just totally unheard of, TB. The fact that we could have inflation this high and actually be in a recession and then, hey, I mean, I mean, don't even get me started on gas prices. So this is just a total disaster anyway, Slice. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And like the gas prices, uh, we are right now in America, the national uh, average for uh, the price per gallon uh, is $5. So um, you have places like in California, which are actually seven, eight dollars a gallon. It's like ridiculous. Um so if the national average is five five dollars per gallon, like that directly impacts middle class and uh, lower uh, and, and the poor uh, communities of, of of the country. How are they supposed to afford to work now? A lot of them rely on their vehicles to for their employment or to get food for their family. When when you fill up the gas at the pump, you have to pay like a hundred dollars to fill up your car it's an absolute travesty and this could all be avoidable like you know obviously there's these inflationary pressures are going on which you've been talking about but there's also just these you know intentional decisions by the Biden administration to make this a painful experience so a a a simple solution to this problem would be to open up the uh the pipelines and do some offshore drilling uh we, we had that in place uh, we had we had the uh, the pipeline into into Canada under Trump, and then Biden. That was one of the first things he did. He shut that down, um, the, the, the Keystone Pipeline. So uh, we could do things like that to alleviate the pressures by producing our own oil domestically. Uh, but instead, they are they are more focused on these woke, you know, green energy initiatives that they are okay with making this a very painful experience in the hope that it's pushing people into buying uh, EVs. So it's, you know, it's just, you know, again, there's a lot of global uh, inflationary pressures and factors that are going on. There's no denying that, but you can't deny either that there's steps that are, that our administration could be taking to help offset this, or at least just uh, mitigate some of this damage. And they're intentionally choosing not to do so. So when you look at these numbers and, you know, I am fearful for what these up, up, Updated, uh, these upcoming uh, inflation numbers are going to look like uh, at the end of this week. But when you look at all this, and if you are just a you know average American citizen and sitting around at your at, you know at home, you know what what are you what are you doing? Like when you when, when it comes to the midterms, the next election, I don't know how you could possibly be voting for more of the same. Like how, how you can't even at a certain point, SB, you just can't really afford this anymore. Like something's got to change here. No, it, it has to be the top of their priority list. And I think it is. If you look at the polls, basically, no one really even cares about any other issue besides inflation in the economy, which which makes total sense. And to, to finish this up and bring this around, um, you talked about the policies in the U.S. You know, thankfully, we don't live in the EU because I think it's even worse there. I mean, the the the, the, the green that we've gone in the U.S., um, you know, maybe Europe is our future, but they are a lot farther along than we are. 
um, if you look at the gas prices, for example, in some of these countries, and Putin was on this as well. So when he was talking about the the U.S. and having inflation, he also mentioned the European Union. Um, he he suggested that inflation there was due to the quote short sighted policy of the European Commission in the energy sector in promoting the green agenda out of climate concerns. So this is exactly what you're talking about in the U.S. It's exactly what's happening around the world. And we're, we're living in this very bizarre time when the only leader on the world stage calling this out correctly is Putin, of all people. And the people in our countries, the people leading us, aren't saying the truth. So, yeah, so this, this is why we call it clown world. This is why we want an antidote to the wokeness, because some of the stuff happening here is just incredible. But staying on um, the, the, the crazy wokeness, we have some good news for you. So, TB, we always like sharing good news. And we have some great news for the audience today. Another example of defunding the woke. So if you've been following us, we've been talking Netflix. They, they're defunding a lot of their woke programs. CNN was defunding them because CNN Plus got canceled. And we have more in CNN. So recent article this week by a plugged-in media reporter at Axios, Sarah Fisher, Scoop, CNN evaluating partisan talent. And essentially, this article goes on to say that CNN, they're looking to get less progressive, less aggressively liberal. Now, if this actually happens, it would be great. We still don't know. Um, but I, I think the money line here is, quote, if the talent cannot adjust to a less partisan tone and strategy, they could be ousted. So I think if you're Brian Stelter or you're Anderson Cooper or you're Don Lamont, you got to be worried about this. Now, maybe you think that you're okay and, and you've been there for a while and whatnot. But if you look at the CNN ratings, um, they're not only, you know, a, a tiny fraction of what uh, Fox News is. CNN is substantially behind MSNBC as well. So essentially, the, the strategy that CNN is currently employing is not working and, and it's not working among anyone. So I think new new owners came in. They're saying the right things that they want to return CNN to kind of a hard news station that doesn't cover it with the slant. I think that's going to be pretty much impossible because I do think they'll they'll probably keep somewhat of a liberal slant. But the fact that they don't want anyone overly partisan, I think that's a great call. Um, I think that would be smart for their business. But of course, it would be fantastic for the U.S. because I think CNN they rile a lot of people up. I mean, they get people angry at what's going on in the world, and they're not necessarily truthful many, many a time about what's actually happening. So I'm happy to see this. You know, we haven't seen any signs of it just yet. This is new. But the more defunding the woke possibility, the better for us. Oh, absolutely, SB. Like, I, I just love how, you know, and we see this all the time when we get into our uh, little Reddit wars over there where people are claiming that CNN is this objective bastion of journalism. And that 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 is how they brand themselves, the most trusted source in news uh, or the most trusted name in news, whatever the hell they call it. Um, but then when we're, we're speaking about like the gas uh, just a moment ago, it reminded me. There was a, on Twitter this uh, a screenshot of a, I believe it was a 2020 or early 2021 article from CNN. It said, uh, concerns about gas rising above $3 is misguided, experts say. And <laughs> th that's just one example of the many times that CNN has been sensationalist and they've been misleading. 
that they've been wrong. You know, you think about the Covington Catholic boys, uh, the way that they cover, uh, you know, cover any social uh, social issues in the country where they are incredibly inflammatory. And when they covered uh, the Russia gate uh, hoax with Trump, they are, have been wrong and like intentionally false for so many years. So this is just get them getting their just desserts. I love every second of it. And I think about their key per, uh, personalities. So Brian Stelter, Don Lemon, I would say Chris Cuomo, but oh, guess what? He was caught using his influence as a journalist to help his brother Andrew Cuomo uh, get off with serious sexual assault uh, accusations. So he was he was trying to intimidate people. He was uh, having his own brother on his show and trying to cast him in the positive light. And again, like I get it, trying to protect your brother, but you know, at the end of the day, he's a journalist and he needs to uh, abide by that. So these are all the things that go on at CNN. Um, you know, it, it's cr- like Don Lemon and Brian Stelter. They are so transparently biased. And I've said this before in the show before, SB, if they were like a Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity type of commentator where they were transparent about their bias and you either like that and would watch them or not, I'd be totally cool with that. But they try to pass themselves off as objective. And that's that's very damaging. That's very dangerous when you have journalists who are politically motivated, who are driving the, the, the narrative in the country and informing a lot of people. That's where people get informed on the news and they're trusting that they're getting objective news when there's a media spin behind it and an agenda. So you love to see it, SB. This this was coming to them. Um, I have a feeling Brian Stelter and Don Lemon are, are having a hard time going to sleep these days and probably uh, getting their resumes polished up. Yeah, he he's sweating for sure. And I think Stelter, the ratings on his show are just a total disaster, um, as as they are with Don, Don Lemon, too. And and you also got to think, you know, it's Stelter. He, he's so easy to hate on. But you're, you're so right about him where he, he views his show as like the the he's the analyzer of the media. So he's totally unbiased. And he goes in and he's like, I'm, I'm going to determine who is right and who is wrong and how they're covering stories. And of course, He's always going to Fox News and saying everything that Fox News does is false and fake news and everything that CNN does is is totally right. And you can't have that because Tucker's show is, you know, more of a he, he asks a lot of questions. He does a deep dive on, on some issues. Obviously, he leans conservative, but he is never afraid to have on a Republican on his show and challenge them. And sometimes it even gets uncomfortable, you know, when, when he has the. Ted Cruz's of the world, and he's trying to ham, you know, nail him on a point. Um, it can get pretty intense. So Tucker has has always done that. When was the last time you ever saw a Democrat challenged on CNN or MSNBC? You, you never see it, and they're populated those two channels with all these never Trumpers. So if you think about Trump, he's got what a ninety percent and ninety five percent approval rating in the Republican Party. Never Trumpers are are a small single digit percentage. And yet, if you watch CNN and MSNBC all day, then, you know, they, they've got 75 percent plus of their Republicans are never Trumpers. So, but, you know, my test for if CNN is actually going to cover the news fairly, let's have some outwardly pro-Trump, pro-conservative people on those networks. And are they going to be shouted down or not? Because that's what would signal to me that they're actually committed to playing it a little more down the center than what they are now. So, you know, that's that's kind of my test case. We'll uh, we'll see with that one. But yeah, I think I think TB, uh, your your comments um, a couple shows ago about 
the the left and you know they're so mad about Fox News, but they have ninety nine percent of the media. So how can you actually be mad at this? It's it's unbelievable. And now you've got people out there. There is a clip uh, this week that um, this former Obama official was on. Um, I think it was MSNBC, and he was basically saying that it's anti democracy that people like Breitbart and Ben Shapiro are shared more on Facebook than CNN. So you're telling me that the the people of Facebook that probably does lean older and more conservative at this point because of the people that are using it and the demo that's using it, because those people are sharing articles that differ from how you want the news packaged, that's anti-democracy. No, that's not. That is simply, you're simply using anti-democracy as a saying for, I don't like that I can, I don't like that I can't control the narrative anymore. And, you know, as long as this is happening at these channels, we're going to have a divided nation when narratives go against each other. So, yeah, I think, look, you know, all defunding the woke is good, but, um, you know, there's still plenty of it out there in TV. I know um, if if we want to transition to our woke in the wilds here, Joy Behar, she got pretty woke this week, maybe more woke than usual. The, The view continues to be the gift that keeps on giving for our show, SB. They keep supplying us one woke wild after another. So, uh, again, I, I, I say this in jest, but it's getting to the point where we may have to have a branded segment just for The View because they are on the show so many times. So uh, what we're talking about here was uh, this week, um, The View had on a guest, uh, a guest host that, was, that they were debating the, uh, the gun control issue in America. And we, we spent uh, a couple episodes Suds ago, we spent uh, a lot of time diving into the gun control debate in the country, as well as why is there a rise in gun violence, especially amongst uh, young men. So if you haven't listened to it, uh, I highly encourage you to. Uh, SB and I put a lot of thoughtful research uh, and analysis into that one. And I, I was very proud of how that, that came about. Uh, but basically on The View, um, this guest who actually is pro gun rights, she was making the argument that um, in order to, to for us to get into a better place on this issue, that the Republicans and Democrats need to work together and they need to there needs to be a give and take and a compromise, which I 100 percent agree with. I think that's the right way of looking at it. Um, and then um, Joy Behart was making the claim that there is no room for compromise because the Republican Party um they, 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 it's a non-starter for them for them to take AR-15s off the market. So this guest that was on the show, uh, who's, who's a black woman, by the way, um, so um, she, she described a story that when she was uh, a, a man in Connecticut, uh, he witnessed one of his neighbors uh, have a home invasion. And, he, um, and, and this, this guy, he uh, built his own AR-15 to, to defend himself. So uh, he basically said, you know, he, he after witnessing this home invasion and having this happen to him, he never wanted this to happen again. So in Connecticut, you can't buy AR-15s, but there are rules for you to build them. So he built his own to protect himself. It had nothing to do with him wanting to go around and hunting and, and shooting people. It was all about self-defense. And she was sharing that story to say, like, you know, there's more nuance to this this topic. And I, I actually spoke a lot about that on our gun control episode, that it's it's not like you can paint in a broad uh, stroke and just say, 
yeah, let's just get rid of all guns or, you know, you people wanting guns is only for nefarious motivations. Um, there are a lot of good reasons for why you should have a gun. And there's a lot of statistics out there about the crime and loss of life that is prevented uh, because people had guns to defend themselves. So she shared the story. And this person that she described who from Connecticut who had built this AR-15 was a black man. And she was trying to make the point that, you know, these are people who are, um, you know, just good natured people. Like this guy was former military. He was married, um, had a wife and kids, like just good family man. He's like, she's trying to paint this picture that this is not just some crazy person. This is a, a good person who wants to protect his family. And then Joy Behar interjects this story by saying, here's the thing. Once black people get guns in this country, the gun laws will change. Trust me. And then Sonny Hostin, who we also love on this show, she quipped, that's what happened with the Black Panthers. Know your history. So these people, I can't begin to explain like just like actually how racist that statement is to begin with, but just how out of touch they are. Um, and they, they bring on this person who presumably is there to have a conversation with, but they're talking over her, not letting her get her points in. Um, and it's disgusting to see that the view audience was clapping at that because it was just such like a lazy, ignorant argument, a very weak one at that. And again, I, I thought it was just out of touch and, and it had a lot of racist undertones. But of course, because Joy Behar is, uh, you know, on the left and she she serves her role well there, she's going to get a pass. Yeah, there's just so much wrong about that. I mean, one of the things that's interesting is it, it's pretty racist to assume that no black people currently have guns. It's it's very it's very bizarre. And I'm just, um, you know, you watch you watch these shows, and I think you know, I I, I want to see people speaking up about this because these are racist statements. And it's you know, I'm 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 glad that someone came on the show to discuss and debate with them, but when when they're making comments like that, you you really don't think they deserve any debate um, anyway. So, yeah, that's um that's that's a really unfortunate one. Um, moving on here to maybe a little bit more of a funny one. We have uh, we've talked Lizzo on this show, so we've talked Lizzo on in a, in a couple of ways. One is that she had this Lizzo's Big Girl show where it was a competition of you know very you know you know, fat and just not healthy dancers competing to be some of her backup dancers. So that's not great. But the bigger one was that when, when she had that selfie video of her, you know, hopping onto a plane with her bare ass hanging out. So, and, and the bare asses, there's, there's a lot of junk in that trunk. So it wasn't the most flattering photo. Well, I wanted to contrast that this week with an article on Sydney Sweeney. So for those who aren't familiar with Sydney Sweeney, um, up-and-coming actress on Euphoria, hit show on The White Lotus, um, very pretty, and she, she certainly has some assets uh, that, that a lot of people find her um, more attractive for. But she, she was at an award show this week, and she wore one of those um, – it's, it's a top that uh, you, you, can see your, you can see your stomach, basically. So I, and I don't know the exact phrase for it, but – kind of a shirt that cuts off right below the chest and you see her her abs and her belly button and we have a yahoo headline here why sydney sweeney's micro mini outfit feels like a threat to body positivity so coveted yet unachievable so the article goes through tweets from people but essentially 
because Sydney Sweeney is keeping herself fit and has a, you know, a, a very nice figure that she's showing off because of that, she's getting hate. And so what we have now in, in modern woke America in 2022 is when someone like Lizzo, who is at an unhealthy weight and not aesthetically pleasing, shows off her bare ass. That is celebrated by everyone as a huge sign of body positivity and pro women and pro being at any weight you want is amazing. And yet when we have Sydney Sweeney, who she's got some assets to show off if she wants to, and you know, she may show them off in some TV shows, but when she's got, when she does and goes to uh, an award show and she's simply showing off her, her stomach, um, that is seen as a negative for society. That is seen as that you're making it unachievable for t- typical women with other body types to not get that. And so that's actually not positive and she shouldn't be doing that. So I, I just I couldn't believe this TB. And, and I just think it's another sign. We're just living in this upside down world in, in woke America in 2022. Yeah, it's it's very confusing because I thought the whole concept of body positivity was to love your body no matter what it looks like so you know that could even extend to when your body does look nice you know she should have every right to be proud of her body um to be in good shape you have to work hard for that you know that's eating right exercising a lot obviously i understand genetics plays a factor but it's almost like they're shaming her for being at a healthy weight and having you know having a nice body like that's very ironic to me that doesn't sound very pro-woman or, you know, body positivity to me, SB. That sounds like the complete opposite of it. And you make a, 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 a very good point. Her simply showing her stomach is seen as a threat and is unacceptable, but it is perfectly acceptable for, for Lizzo to show off her, her bare ass and, you know, wear clothes that are extremely provocative. Like, where is the consistency there? It's, it's hard for me to take you seriously, uh, when you just have the, these lapses in, in logic, like it, it just seems that you're being very selective, uh, you know, and, and, and just kind of it, it just it's not like you're putting any thought into this. It's all just kind of like it's all these mental gymnastics to make you fit whatever narrative that you want. So that's just absolutely bizarre to me, SB. I, I just I, I don't really understand what they're what they're trying to achieve here. No, I don't either. It, it's almost like they want to promote being unhealthy. And they want to shut down anyone who actually is taking care of themselves. And yeah, I, I don't know anything beyond that. But yeah, and, and finishing up here with, with another with our final woke in the wild uh, headline this week, NFL's Panthers uh, add transgender cheerleader to the roster. So I know what what can we even say about this? <laughs> I mean, SB, like, who's asking for this? Uh, it's you know, let's just be honest, the the average NFL consumer, uh, the average NFL fan does not want this. To be honest, most NFL fans don't even really care about the cheerleaders. Uh, I think like the Dallas Cowboys are the only like famous cheerleaders that people actually pay attention to. But no, one, I, when I go to games, I don't really even like pay attention to them. But this is all just a virtue stingly move. And here's my take on this, SB. Uh, I have a theory on why it's the Carolina Panthers that are doing this, because at a first glance, I kind of paused and said, you know, that seems odd, like a Southern team doing this, like wasn't expecting to come from them. But if you just go back a few years ago, 
I don't know if you remember this. There was a lot of controversy in North Carolina when they uh, mm. passed a bill to ban transgenders from going into uh, the opposite sex's bathroom, which I think is a totally valid uh, t- uh, rule, especially if, the, especially if that person is very early in, that tra- in their transition and has the genitals of their original s- sex. Like, I, if I had a daughter, I wouldn't want some person in there who has a penis you know next to my daughter like that's not coming from hate that's just like i think that's just common sense like um there's just certain rules and just like basic like sense of morality and right and wrong that's driving my opinion on this not not hate but um there was a big controversy on that and like uh the acc for example their headquarters in north carolina they pulled out a lot of their bowl games out of north carolina and protest uh, I think there was more fallout from that as well from the professional sports. I remember ESPN making a, a big deal about this as well. So I, my theory is, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm just like kind of connecting the dots here. I think that's why the Carolina Panthers went out of their way to get a transgender cheerleader as kind of a makeup for th- what happened before. I, I love that. That that is like a woke mystery solved. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe that's another uh, that's another segment for the show is woke uh, unsolved woke mysteries, and we <laughs> we attempt to figure that out, dude. That makes complete sense. I um yeah, it's almost like a way to it, and it's a way for Carolina to protect themselves because they're like, hey, look look at us. We are not what the state is. Look at what we have in our cheerleading department, and they're gonna have that. Now, of course, it's it's never going to be enough. Of course, um, we all know that. But you know, I, I, I bet at some point we're going to hear calls for, you know, wh- why doesn't the NFL have a transgender cheerleader on every cheerleading team? They're transphobic unless they do. So that's that's going to be the new one. But yeah, that that's amazing TV. I, I had not connected those dots, but um, I um, I, I totally I totally hear you on that one. But I think uh, moving on here, and, and this reminds us of one of our rewokables. So we have a, we have a pretty big rewokables this uh, this episode for you, and maybe we should start here with the Tampa Bay Rays because they had a Pride Night recently. Um, so Pride Night it is it's June um, June's Pride Month, and five of their players did not wear rainbow uh, Pride logos on their uniforms. So. We had a lot of hate on this, a lot of articles, a lot of dissension here. And one of them, um, the New York Times, they came out and, and basically said that the attempt at inclusion proves there is more work to do. So this this was just a, a total joke. Um, and we have a soundbite here um, of Sarah Spain on the, uh, the around the horn talking about this and actually before we play this TB, maybe give the audience a brief bit on uh, Around the Horn Wokeness in Sarah Spain. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Around the Horn is a show on ESPN where uh, there's a host and a variety of, uh, I believe it's like five or six guest hosts. And they go on, they talk about certain sports topics. And then it's kind of like a live, almost like Reddit type of show where they get upvotes and downvotes based on their opinion. Uh, like people can interact and say whether they agree or not with what people said um so sarah spade she she's incredibly uh woke incredibly liberal on the show so what what the clip we're about to play here 
is her commenting on these players refusing to wear the uh, the, the Rays uh, uh, Pride logo. And, and just to set some context here before we play the clip, the players said that their decision to do this was not based on any hate or judgment for others. It's just that they're they're very religious and their religion has certain views on that topic and that they just wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. But at the same in the same breath, they still say that they accept all people. Uh, they only have love for them and they do not believe in hate. Uh, it was a very nice statement. I thought they articulated that quite well because it is such an emotionally charged subject. Um, and, you know, it is it, kind of like they're being forced to to wear something that doesn't make them comfortable. Um, and, you know, anyways, so this clip is is on the around the horn. Sarah Spade is uh, sharing her her disagreement with this. And uh, after we play the clip, we'll have some uh, analysis of this. Sarah Spade, how does that all come off to you? Pride is about inclusion. So you don't love them and you don't welcome them if you're not willing to wear the patch. And calling it a lifestyle reveals to me that you've done not even a modicum of research or understanding on this topic. It's what tends to happen when a privileged class isn't affected by things. This is not just about baseball. That religious exemption BS, which is used in sport and otherwise, also allows for people to be denied health care, jobs, apartments, children, prescriptions, all sorts of rights. And so we have to stop tiptoeing around it because we're trying to protect people who are trying to be bigoted from asking for them to be exempt from it when the very people that they are bigoted against are suffering the consequences. When you say trying to be bigoted. They're trying to use religious exemptions to affect the opportunities, services, uh, available resources for people who are LGBTQ+. And a patch on the jersey in, in this way? In the case of sport, no. In the case of sport, though, they're double talking if they're saying you're welcome while also saying that we don't encourage or, or we disagree with it, especially when there are devout people of every single religion that also welcome and are open to people who are born gay. David Dennis. So, <laughs> so TV, I mean, I, I hear this, and, and I'll, I'll say for the audience, too, this is the first time I listened to this, partly because... I didn't want, I, I wanted to have a surprise reaction on the pod, but more so that it was just going to be cringe for me to get through it. And, you know, I remember when I was growing up, you know, you'd come home from the day, yeah, long day at school, maybe you played some sports and then around the horn of PTI comes on at five and five thirty. that great block of shows. And you just devour what happened in sports that day. This is that same show, but it's not that same show anymore because it's gone woke. It's basically around the woke now. And, you know, I'll, I'll randomly turn on ESPN sometimes just to see what's going on with Around the Horn. And I swear every single time it's a woke talking point going on. So you, you hear that and you go, well, first you go, this shouldn't even be on, on sports. So this should not be on ESPN. And it's another example of woke center um, going on there. But secondly... That's actually a very hateful statement against uh, people of religion. And this is yep. not only it's not it's not only Christians, it's it's Muslims, it's Jews. This is a very big. I mean, she's calling other people bigoted. That's a bigoted statement. And, and that's a really aggressive tone going after people's religious beliefs. So that's um yeah, she should be ashamed of herself for that one. Yeah. SB, here's the logical fallacy that really bothers me. Um I, I hear this a lot, especially what working in woke tech. Like, there's a lot of conscious like rules and regulations put in place in the in the workspace um, that you can't 
uh, impression upon any of like uh, your religious views or anything like that. Like you need to keep that out of the workplace. You don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Um, so there's a clear separation of church and state for sure. And I, I don't disagree with that to, to be clear. Um, but I, I bring this up because the common argument I'm hearing from the left in relation to this uh, story about the Tampa Bay Ray players not wearing the, the pride flag is, oh, well, their, their employer is asking them to do it. So they have to do it for that reason. So by like, if you're trying to understand that, it's basically saying a person should dissolve and ignore their, their values and morals because they're being they're they're being subjected to you know, by, by their employer that their employer is, is making them do it and when you when you think about it that way which is effectively what they're saying like how can you reconcile that because in other ways you don't want you don't think employers should push you to do anything else so it's only like you only believe that you should be coerced into doing something if it fits your opinion and i just think that if you need to be consistent, it shouldn't be your, your employer should never coerce you to do anything that you don't want to do. And I think the players like reading that statement, they never say anything hateful. Um, they were all about, you know, love and acceptance. It's just that they have personal religious views. And I think it's okay to accept that. And, um, you know, you may not agree with it, but you're basically telling someone to go against their own religion and religion may not be important to you, but for, for others, it is very important. So it's all about respect. And that, that, that's the thing. They're not being shown respect here. And it's a complete double standard hypocrisy. Yeah. And it's putting words in their mouth where she's attempting to claim that because they're doing this one thing, then, then she can throw out all these accusations of what they actually believe. And that's not at all the case. Why can't we leave it where they had the statement, they said why they were doing it. We, we have that and, and we move on. I mean, to, to me, this shouldn't have even been a story. We shouldn't even have heard about this. And the fact that we're hearing about it in the first place already means we're, we're already, you know, too far gone. But certainly the fact that it's getting this much play on ESPN and, and other channels is, is way too much. So, yeah, un, unfortunate here. But, um, you know, we'll we'll move on here. I, I think we'll, we'll finish off with Survivor. But before we do... TB, um, we had a great San Fran episode, and and you totally crushed it talking about how much of a shithole San Fran is. I mean, let's just say it. That was the title of our episode, and uh, th there were some uh, there's some updates there recently. Yes, so this brings me great uh, joy in sharing this with you all. But San Francisco's district attorney Chesse Bodin, uh, Bodin, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, but anyways, he, this is the district attorney that has been responsible for the lax crime law. So when the, the last episode, when we talked about um, just kind of all the poverty and the crime and the urine, feces, drugs, and, and, and the major homeless problem they have there, um, this guy is the, the, the main culprit for it. He's passed so many laws to, to really restrict cops' power, and he's allowed the city to really run rampant and just fall apart. So he has been recalled. Uh, he can run again in, in six months, but he has actually been recalled in the woke utopia that is San Francisco. I can't believe I'm saying this right now, SB. Uh, but looking into the stats of uh, the, the breakdown of the voting trends in this recall, it was just a very interesting observation here, SB. So a majority of, of Bowdoin's support came from wealthy white liberals 
Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, every minority majority neighborhood except one voted for his recall. So this it perfectly captures the point that we're making about woke woke politics in San Francisco specifically. It's all these out of touch elite white wealthy uh, woke people who are so f- detached from reality that they have so much money that they will never be impacted by these things that they're passing for. So they just want to pass all these regulations to make themselves feel good, to make themselves feel like they're giving back and being a good person so they can feel virtuous, but they'll never have to suffer the consequences of it. And the people that are impacted are the minority communities, are the poor communities. And in this example, the, all the people, all those people that I just spoke about, the, the poor minority communities, they voted to get him the hell out because they've had enough of what happened to San Francisco. So this is not just a right talking point. This is not just a conspiracy theory SB and I came with. This completely validates all the points that we've been making on this show uh, about how out of touch woke people are with the world and the, and the deep, horrible ramifications of the policies that they pass. So you know what? This is such fantastic news. I hope these people in San Francisco, I'm not expecting San Francisco to ever go right. I think they're too far gone, quite, quite frankly. But I hope that at least they move back to a world of some normalcy where, yes, you can be liberal, but you can't allow your, your, your city to turn into to Gotham City, SB. You can't allow like just these tent cities and crime and drugs in broad daylight. Like, Why can't we just have common sense there? So this is such a fantastic development. That's amazing. That is more people waking up to reality. But yeah, you said it perfectly. I mean, we the where are we where are we getting this liberal ideology of that woke utopia you you spoke of? It's these upper class rich white liberals. And the beautiful part about that for them is they can have in theory what they think should be a woke utopia. They never actually live in it. So that's what you have to look at is what what are the actions of these people? They can say whatever they want, but they built this incredible woke utopia. Are they actually living in it? No. Um, Barack Obama can talk about climate change. Is he taking private jets and buying Martha's Vineyard houses and Hawaii houses? Yes, he is. Is Leo DiCaprio obsessed about the environment, but yet taking private jets to all of these conferences? Of course. So you got to watch the actions, not what they say. And, you know, the, the day when some rich you know, white liberal wants to live in inner city San Fran near the Tenderloin or whatever that uh, area you were at that was disgusting. Um, whenever they do that, then then maybe we can actually talk. But if they're not doing that, then I think it's it's fantastic that um, everyone besides them kind of gets it and understands that this is just so far gone. So that um, that definitely is great news to hear. And then finishing up here on our uh, Survivor topic, so the, the third and final rewokables. Now, Survivor, uh, shout out our Survivor fans who are listening to the pod. You guys have made that Survivor Goes Woke episode, um, are, are still our top episode. You guys love that one. And we've got an update for you. So the premise of that episode, for those who remember, um, and if you you know if you haven't listened to that, it's I think it's interesting even for non-Survivor fans, but... Essentially, a black woman was annoyed and thought it was racist that two black people had been voted out in a row, even though she had voted out one of those black people in a previous vote. So uh, essentially, she was on the chopping block. She was potentially going to be voted for. 
and she kind of freaked out and threw out the racist accusation, um, ended up, uh, you know, working out in her favor. Two votes later, TB, she actually gets voted out. Um, and it turns out she got voted out by a guy that was Muslim. So we had thought that the racist stuff um, was pretty much over. So the rest of the show happened. I watched it for the woke audience, antidote audience to make sure there's no more wokeness. Um, out of the good of my heart, I did that. <laughs> and um, there wasn't m much else there. But what happened was after the show, we had a interview that this Muslim contestant did. And for some brief context on this guy, this guy was by far the best player in the game. He was making incredible moves. He was, you know, lying to people. He was strategizing. He was playing both sides. And he was basically playing like the quintessential epic survivor game. So he was making every single episode really entertaining. And he ended up taking out this uh, this black woman called Drea, where in, in a pretty, you know, pretty epic move where she had told him about some advantages that she had. And he essentially used those advantages against her to get her out. You don't need to know the details of it. But essentially, it was pretty much the biggest vote out of the season. And he had an interview, and he was not too happy when he actually got voted out, went to what they call as Ponderosa. It's where everyone lives together after the vote, uh, after they get voted out and before they, they vote for the final person in the game to win. And he was not greeted um, well at all there. So I want to play a clip from his, uh, from his interview here. Experience opened up with like, you are a malicious, evil person who I have no respect for that systematically eliminated people of color in favor of Jonathan and Lindsay. And we have no respect for you. And you're so lucky you didn't make it to the end because we would have embarrassed you in front of everybody at the final tribal mm -hmm. council. Like that's very, very cuts very deep, I would say, because I didn't expect, like, especially at so that was when he was greeted at this Ponderosa. It's basically a camp. Um, and he was he said he was shunned. And Jonathan and Lindsay, for, <clears throat> for context in that conversation, were two white contestants that he had. He had alliances with them going back to the beginning of the game because they were in the same tribe together. So we essentially had this woman who who pretty much played the race card and said it was racist when she was about to be voted out. Um, and then when she didn't know about it, when she was blindsided and when she was actually voted out, she weaponized the race card hard and made this guy's life miserable, um, not only at Ponderosa by saying he was systematically eliminating black contestants, which is totally false. But he went on in this interview to say that for several months after the show, he felt terrible about himself. He thought he was in the wrong. He said, I never should have gone on Survivor and had this experience. And it was only recently that he was able to come to grips with the fact that, no, he wasn't wrong. And he said he spent a bunch of time with the show's therapists helping him out, all this stuff. So it's just to me, I don't want to see the race weaponized. And it seems like this really occurred here. And for people like him who played this amazing game and now he's getting all this props for it, for him to feel terrible about himself for several months. I mean, that that's a hostile act, in my opinion. And then to, to put a brief pin on this, there was two other themes that came up from this. So one was that um, Survivor Reddit, which has uh, blocked our posts before, um, they locked any threads and blocked more posts about this. So in the brief moment that it was open, everybody on Survivor Reddit was taking this guy's side, Omar's and not Drea's. 
which is interesting because they they lean pretty far left there. So it was good to see that they're actually taking that side. It was that bad. And then the second thing is this interview. I played a sound clip. Um, that interview was taken down from the the guy's podcast. So you know who who knows why it was taken down, but either she was mad about it or CBS was mad about it or somebody was and somebody told them, yeah, you should take this content out. So I just played a short 30 second clip, but there was about 10 to 15 minutes of that that went on and that's now out of the guy's podcast. So, you know, I, I think this even goes beyond the game. This is beyond enjoying the show and like for me and you talking about it and saying, hey, like we wish Survivor wasn't woke. This is someone weaponizing race to make someone feel extremely bad about themselves for being racist for several months. And I, I just don't want any part of that. And I think this is a, a malicious act. Yeah. I'm, here, here's my problem with, with this. And again, I don't watch Survivor, so I'm, you explain this is me hearing it for the first time. But my problem with when, when people play the race card like this is that, in this example, what, what I can infer from this is that she lost and was a sore loser and she was, you know, and even before she lost, she was using the race card to get grant her more protection to, you know, she used it strategically to help her get her farther along in the game um, because no one wants to be called a racist. So by doing so, she was able to buy herself some more time. But then once she lost, rather than her just owning up that she lost based on strategy, and it sounds like she kind of like showed her hand too much. And then this guy was able to then use it to his advantage Instead of her just recognizing that she played, you know, she, she lost on strategy, she needs to justify it by saying, nope, I only lost because pe these deeply racist and evil people were out to get me. So it, it's just a cop out. And I, I say this all the time. I, I, am, I have never once denied that there's racism in this country. Of, there's, there's racism all throughout the world, frankly, and it's disgusting in any shape or form. Um, but it's it's a. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's just like it, it cheapens it really cheapens the, the accusation of racism when you use it for for things like this, because you're, you're just using it so flippantly without substance that when there are actual uh, instances of racism, it like detracts from it because you've you've labeled everything racist. So she just sounds like a sore loser. Um, I don't watch Survivor, but I'm glad she lost uh, based on how she's behaving and, and conducting herself. But. Um, yeah, obviously, you know a lot more about Survivor than I do, but uh, it sounds like uh, karma is a is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And and so luckily, the show happened and the way that the show is edited, and I think it was probably representative of, of the season, but this guy got so much love for his great moves. The episode that he actually got her voted out was one of the best episodes of the, of the show, not only this season, but I think it, it just in the past several years, it was amazing. So he got the love she didn't she's gonna have to deal with the fact that she did that to him so yeah i um i'm disappointed that it happened but i'm happy to hear that afterwards and i'm happy that the message got out even though it's now being panned on on reddit and taken out of that guy's in um you know official interview i'm, I'm glad that it's out there but yeah tb I, I think that's what we got for this week this was uh we, we hit on a lot of fun topics uh got some revocables in there some classic woke in the wilds defunding the woke and then yeah look we got we got tomorrow inflation so estimates are coming in for 8.3 percent we'll see if they come in higher or lower but regardless eight percent you know even if it comes in plus or minus 0.5 percent or plus or minus a percent 
that's just way too much. It's way too much inflation. And, um, you know, something, something's got to be done about this because people are just not happy. No, they're not happy and they just can't afford to, to live anymore. So uh, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous what's caught on. So hopefully in the midterms, we kind of have a correction and we're on our way back to recovery here. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt for a little bit. Uh, sadly, you know, I hate to end on a negative note, but that's the reality of the situation. But yeah, no, this, was, this was a great one, SB. Agreed. And um, we, we love having the guests as well. So yeah, if you're out there, you're on Twitter, you want to talk with us, let us know and, you know, keep on sending us the Woke in the Wilds, the Defunding the Wokes. And, uh, you know, if there's anything you want to talk about, definitely reach out because we're, we're always open to having the discussion. So hopefully we'll, we'll be having more guests soon. But in the meantime, I think that's all I got. Um, I'm, uh, I'm pumped for this one. I'm pumped for the listeners and we'll check back in with you guys next week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, thank, thanks, folks, for, for tuning in yet again, and uh, we'll catch you again soon.